live and local across the city and South Cambridgeshire. Drive with Steffi Callister. Cambridge 105 Radio. It's Steffi Callister, Cambridge 105 Radio. Now, as I've just been mentioning, the much-anticipated budget from Rishi Sunak. Joining me on the line, Cambridge's MP Daniel Zeissner. Good afternoon to you, Daniel. Good afternoon. Now, it's being described by political commentators as a very impactful budget. Shall we start with what he produced from the hat at the very end, adjusting the taper on universal credit? Yes. Um, I mean, obviously, I was pleased that he'd, he'd bowed to pressure. Labour had been um, arguing this for, for many, many months, that the £20 um, uh, withdrawal uh, of universal credit should be reversed. That's not what he's done, of course. And although we're looking at the details, we think it will probably only help about a third of those people. And it will probably leave the people who are, who are most hard up um, still in that very difficult position. So... Um, it, welcome to some extent, but I'd far rather he just reversed that £20 cut. Absolutely. I think most people would, because obviously we've got the um, national insurance hike, the energy cap and the food prices rising all next April. Well, indeed. I mean, I really worry talking to people when you everywhere you go, you can see prices rising at the moment. Um, economists argue about what kind of return to inflation this is. I'm old enough to remember the dreadful inflationary years in the 70s and 80s. And the trouble is, once it starts, everybody then has to try and keep catching up and you can get into a spiral. And we really don't want to go back to that, those times. So I think, frankly, um, the Prime Minister in particular, um, when he keeps bragging about rising wage levels, of course we'd like to see rising wages, but they've got to be based on productivity. And you can't run, well, I'm tempted to think you can't run an economy the way the Prime Minister runs his own life. It's chaotic. You leave others to pick up the bill. And that's not a way to run the economy. Now, you've always been very supportive of individual and small businesses during the pandemic. Business rate cuts of 50% across retail, um, hotel and leisure and hospitality. Surely that's good news. Yes, and I'm not one of those people who thinks that you know, everything's bad. There were, there were some welcome things in the budget, but it's obviously the opposition's job um, to criticise. I think, to be honest, many people in the business community um, have been waiting so long for this proper overhaul of business rates. This feels a bit like a sticking plaster, but it's, it's welcome in the meantime. £4.8 billion going into social care to help recruit people. How significant is that across Cambridgeshire? Well, look, this is this is a huge problem, isn't it? Um, bringing together a number of different things. We know that social care has been a, a, a problem for a long time. Uh, the national insurance rise, of course, doesn't put much money into social care for many years, if at all. And I think one of the biggest problems is recruiting staff. Now, given the government's sort of complete antipathy to um, dealing sensibly with our neighbours in the European Union now, I think this is going to go on being a problem, quite frankly, because you can't magic people out of nowhere. And we've relied very heavily on staff from the European Union. And in a sensible world, we'd carry on doing that, in my view. Of course, ultimately, you might want to move to a model where you, you relied on that less, but you just can't do it overnight. And the trouble is, there's a whole range of things making it harder and harder for, for the social care sector. I welcome, though, the, the minimum wage rise is, if you don't give councils the money... To, uh, to to pay for that, you're stuck in a in an endless loop, an endless bind. So this is not resolved. A long way from being resolved. Now the cuts in fuel duty will be popular, obviously with petrol pump, you know, at a record high. But it's not going to help with our net zero commitment with COP26 coming up, is it? 
No, I was very struck actually that there seemed to be uh, the chancellor seemed to be completely um, oblivious to the environmental crisis and to the the role that we should be playing in the run up to the conference next week because it wasn't just petrol prices. I understand people, of course, people don't want to face higher petrol prices, but the failure to provide proper public transport alternatives over many, many years has left us in this difficult position. It wasn't just petrol. Um, He's um, changes to to air passenger duty to um, encourage people to fly within the UK from regional airport to regional airport seemed a very odd thing to be highlighting just on the eve of COP26 when we're trying to encourage the whole world to move away um, from 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 that that kind of fossil fuel use. So this that was um, one one could say it was puzzling, or one could say it was just very poor. Or a good move politically. <laughs> um, um, well, I'm, I, well I'm, not, I'm not so sure about that anymore. I, I think people's attitudes have changed. I, I genuinely think people are getting that we've got a real problem um, with the climate and it's, and it's going to require a change in the way we live. But you can't do that if you don't give people proper alternatives. So what we should have been hearing about was more investment in high-speed ra- rail within the UK, not encouraging people to fly. One of the things uh, that really stood out for me, he didn't mention... Um, was the triple lock on pensions abolished because everyone thought it was for a year and now it turns out it's to the end of Parliament. Yes, I mean, that's quite an, quite an expensive um, commitment. Um, it was, of course, the, the year was based on the um, sort of statistical quirk this year around um, the, the sort of dramatic decline in the economy last year, um, which would have provided for a very, very big rise. But... Um, that is now beginning to look like it's um, a more significant change of direction um, from the Chancellor, and I think we might see some kickback on that. As so often happens, of course, after budgets, people read the fine detail and uh, they can often unravel in the following days. Quite. Um, let's talk about the Labour performances. Obviously, Keir Starmer um, was off because he tested positive and Angela Rayner was on bereavement leave. Ed Miliband, who I know you've championed in the past, standing in because he's obviously done PMQ's you know, response before and the budget. Can you see him having another go? Uh, there isn't a vacancy. Keir Starmer's a, <laughs> absolutely the right man to be leading the party. I, personally, I was delighted because um, I was elected in 2015 when Ed was the leader. Um, and, uh, of course, I never got the opportunity to see him at the dispatch box because he had stood down by the time I started. So it was, it was for me, quite a poignant moment, and I thought he handled it, as usual, with grace and tact. He did made a, a few um, self-deprecating jokes at that point, and then proceeded to ask some pretty good questions. So I thought it was a good performance at very short notice. Yes, I did think it was amusing that he said it was his one and only appearance. <laughs> um, also, Rachel Reeves, I thought she did very well. Rachel performed excellently, I thought. Again, at fairly short notice, it's, a, it's, a, it's always a hard thing to do, to be honest, responding um, to a Chancellor's statement like that because there's a lot of detail and you don't see it in advance. Obviously, lots of speculation. Um, and I thought her, her basic point was this, this was a, a Prosecco Chancellor who was um, happily suggesting to people they should go on flights um, and celebrate their, their, their largesse, particularly the, the bankers who got some further help, very much um, uh, kind of painted the Chancellor as being out of touch with ordinary people, which, frankly, I think he is. I, I, I thought the, the Prosecco stuff really, um, when people are really struggling at a difficult time, was unwise. And the, the tone seemed to me to be complacent, 
a bit triumphalist, and also a lot of it was about an internal spat within the Conservative Party. The number of times he referred back to um, the situation in 2010, which, of course, was last when Labour was in power. So he said, you know, we will return the levels of school funding back to 2010. Well, that's a direct swipe at Cameron and Osborne. Uh, similarly, of course, he talked about um, rebuilding um, what he called family hubs. Well, that was a sure start system that Labour created and Cameron and Osborne um, systematically dismantled. So it was as much an internal debate within the Conservative Party when really I think it would have been better if um, he'd been addressing the country. But clearly what it was actually about was a leadership bid, um, him um, setting out his stall, hence the, the um, peroration at the end about how he loves low taxes, really, even though that's not what he's doing. I think um, this year, it can only be described as the budget that leaked like a sieve. Um, the Speaker, Sir Lindsay Hoyle, has suggested that perhaps ministers should resign. I think the last time we saw anything was as serious was um, in 1947. Hugh Dalton, the Chancellor, gave away some budget details to a journalist and he had to resign. Do you think there should be heads rolling for this or do you think this has just become part of you know politics these days? Well, I, I think the world is different in terms of um, briefing the media, but this felt like it was, and this is, this is I'm afraid, it's typical of the Johnson government. It comes from Johnson primarily. He doesn't respect the law. He thinks the law's for other people. Um, it was interesting to see that Chancellor didn't really um, even offer much, offer much of an apology to quite a strict telling off from, it, from it, one of his own people, the, the, the deputy speaker. Um, and, and frankly, the best thing to do would have been to red card both of them. Then, of course, um, they probably would would do something different in future. But I'm not convinced that's going to happen. Now, if I can just ask you quickly about something locally. Um, it has emerged that the majority of duplicate responses about the consultation over the future of Mill Road Bridge opposed the closure. Um, basically, it calls into question whether the results of future consultations by Cambridgeshire County Council can be trusted. Um, what's your opinion on that? Well, it's very difficult, isn't it, when people um, apparently uh, play a process like that. I think it's disappointing. Our councils try and do the best they can, um, as it as has been shown. It, well, it's not a referendum. It's not a vote-counting exercise. It's a consultation. And it is a very difficult issue, which there are strong views on both sides. I rather hope people, this is what people have said to me in Mill Road, can try and come together and find a bit of an accommodation, because... Clearly, um, there are plenty of people, and I absolutely include myself in this, would like to see far less traffic um, in, the, in the centre of Cambridge. Um, but we've also got to respect the fact that for some people, it is not possible to find alternatives. Now, with modern technologies, it doesn't seem to be totally impossible to find some ways around, ways around this, which, which leads to some kind of compromise. And I hope that's what people will look for. OK. Aside from the budget, if I can just ask you finally, what's your views on security, um, you know, in the aftermath of um, South End MP Sir David Amos's uh, murder? Well, it's really difficult, isn't it? Um, it's, it's not just MPs, actually. Um, if you, I'm afraid one hears sad accounts from people working at accident emergency and ambulance workers, bus drivers. We seem to be becoming a more violent society. Um, and that's to be deplored because I, I still believe, by and large, Cambridge, cities like Cambridge are safe places to be. On a personal level, obviously the sensible thing to do is to listen to advice, which is what I'm doing, and be careful. Um, but the fact that there are people who are so, so angry and furious and feel that this is in, in any way 
something that, that can be done is just very sad, I would say. Um, and we've got to find ways, perhaps, of looking at those deeper issues as well. Um, but in the meantime, obviously, as a, I think all public representatives, not just MPs, need to listen carefully to the advice and be be sensible, but equally not withdraw and cut ourselves off because that would be self-defeating. OK, we'll leave it there. Daniel Zeichner, thank you for speaking to us in Cambridge 105 this always. afternoon. Thank you. Live and local. Across your workday. Cambridge 105 Radio.